Hi, I'm Nina. My son's an addict. Podcast 5. Help. Addict needs to leave. So, why do I say help as a lead-in and name this particular podcast, Help. My Addict Needs to Leave? Because you can't do this alone. It's impossible. It's, it's like no matter how strong of a person you are, um, it takes, first of all, you have to be out of denial. So if you're still in denial, how are you going to kick your kid, your relative out of the house uh, if you're still in denial and haven't um, come to the conclusion that this person needs major help and this isn't just a phase and this is taking over your life. So the first thing anybody needs to do, even if they're now in denial still and they're now out of denial, you can't do this alone. So when I say help, is it means get help. The only place, and don't go to relatives. Don't do it. I don't really think that's where you should go or friends. I think you should go get professional help. Everyone takes insurance. Doesn't matter if it's a good good therapist or not at that point. You, you can't judge a therapist anyway until you really go to them. So quite often, and I've had that experience, I just chose anyone that was on my health insurance plan. Anyone. Anyone that was on the plan that I didn't have to pay for. If you're going to go ahead and pay $500 an hour out of pocket because someone told you they're an amazing therapist, you're wasting your money. I do. I believe you're wasting your money, my personal opinion. Right now, you need help. And that help is just a soundboard. Someone to listen to what you've been going through up to this point. Because if you're already knowing and realizing deep down, you're unconscious, that this is not healthy. Your house is not being run healthy. You're not healthy. You don't feel safe in your own home. You feel like it's been taken over and you have no say. You feel like this person living there is out of control and you don't know what they're going to do next. So first you have to, that's why they say, which is interesting, you know, I always wondered, why do they say, okay, you know, put your oxygen mask on first and then put on your child's oxygen mask. So I kind of understand that in different areas of life now because, you know, I would have put myself in front of a bus for my children. Um, I I really dedicated a incredible amount of my life. I don't regret a bit of it. I truly love them. Um, and I wanted to give them my all. Um, so when I went to this therapist, the first time he was a male, he was just on my insurance. I remember saying to him, and I, and I didn't stay with him very long, but he helped me to the next stage. And what he said to me is as follows. You need to go home and put a whole list together of everything you want to be done in the house. How you want the house to be run. Your house rules. I don't like the name rules and I don't know why. I think we raised our kids. If you're in your 50s, you raised your kids. You know, a lot of people raise them as their friends. A lot of people let them get away with things. Make a lot more decisions than we were able to make when we were kids. So I really like to say, these are the things that I need in order 
for this house to run properly, to feel comfortable in the house, for all of us to get along. One, not coming in at one o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. Two, going to get therapy at least once a week, at least. Willing to get help, willing. Um, acknowledging that they can't do this on their own. Now, I don't even know what those chances are of you getting to that point because it ain't happening. I got to tell you, that's the plain honest truth. I wish it happened for me. I wish it would have been that easy. And uh, there's no way it's, it's that easy. So basically, you need to get the confidence to be able to say, if you can't live by these following rules, boom, 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 or live under this roof with what I need in order for us to live here, this is what I need from you. And you write down, so when you are speaking and saying it, you have it all prepared because you're going to get all muffled up and you're not going to forget everything and you get nervous and you're just going to be like, oh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't do this. I don't want it to make it worse. You're not making it worse. If you're at this point and you're listening to what I have to say about this, that I experienced, you need help. You need someone else in your life. And you know, a lot of times, look, I had an ex that was in complete denial, a nightmare. Call that a nightmare situation. It was like having a third child, okay? So basically, if your partner is not in on it and can't be there, which really the only way for your child or your other a person in the home that has the addiction to, can get help is when everyone, everyone is on the same page. So let's just go back to this. How do you get them out of your house? Well, um, if you're scared, you lock your door at night, you take your purse and bring it in your room, you don't feel comfortable when this person is around you, you need to get them out of your house sooner than later. So, and you see that they're in a bad place. They're waking up late. They're leaving um, empty um, alcoholic bottles around. They're saying strange things. Um, and basically, um, you need to get them out of your house so you could be safe and get everybody else safe in the house. Um, and then this other person, the addict, is going to have to uh, get to that place in his own life or her life, whenever it is, that they need help. Because you can't do that for them. So you're now writing a list out of everything you need done in the house. I need you to be home at 6 o'clock for dinner every night. I need to know that you're in um, getting help uh, therapy. I need to know that you're taking your medication that you were prescribed by your doctor to take once a week. I need to know that you're doing this, that, and the other thing. I need you to be home at a certain time. Uh, I don't want to be spoken to. I don't want to, like, in an in a angry, belligerent um, tone. And um, I would like to uh, know that... Um, you're that I'm 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 safe in this house and that you're not stealing from me and um you're willing to get help because at this point you need help they say no or they say okay you know basically let's go with the scenario 
that they're like, fine, I'm out of here. That is going to happen. So you need to prepare yourself. You need to prepare yourself. And if you leave, just walk out. You're not taking anything. Now, I say that, and it's easy for me to say it right now, because at the time when I was going through this, I couldn't say that. Although that therapist told me to do that. I couldn't. I couldn't. I'm a mom. I love my kids. I put little notes in their sandwiches for school. So when they'd open up their lunch, they'd see, love your mom. Have a great day. And now this therapist is telling me, this stranger that I just met, is telling me the only way to take care of this is to let him walk out the door and close the door behind him, change the locks, and don't give him a thing. Um, I couldn't do it. So he packed up, and I even let him stay two nights because I was driving him to the airport like an idiot, driving him to the airport and saying to him, you don't have to do this. Let me get you help, please. We could work on this. I'm the crazy one running around saying lies about me. I'm terrible. I'm crazy. I'm a horrible person, a horrible mother, like nuts. So besides that, running around him, telling telling people all these things, and then probably believing him because they don't, they're not looking at the signs. They're not living with him. Some people could hide it better than others. Some people, if you're around them long enough, you start saying, well, you know, this person's acting a little weird, or maybe he's not as sane as I thought he was, or maybe he does do drugs, or that's an odd kind of behavior. So until someone around them gets to that point, they're going to stay and latch on to that specific location until um, someone brings it up to them. And when you do, ooh, watch out because they're not going to be happy with you questioning them. They're not going to be happy with taking your advice. They don't want to know anything about it. They want to do what they want to do. And they're going to live in the house and they're going to rule in their own way. And nothing's going to get in their way because they're who they are. Well, Bottom line is, if you can't let them out without taking anything, give them a day or half a day, whatever it is, and say, okay, you have one more day, you need to get out. It is not your problem where they're going to go. They are the most resourceful people I've ever met in my life. Crazy, but true. Like, these kids can get on a plane with a piece of luggage without being charged. Yes, I've seen it. I've heard it. I've heard it before. Like, I can't even get my my suitcase on the plane with one pound more than 50 pounds. And these kids, these addicts are getting on planes uh, if they have to, if they're being sent somewhere or a plane ticket to go to a rehab or somewhere. They get to the airport, Remember, nobody has money on them. They don't have money on them. And they have a bag with them. Uh, Basically, they get on the flight without um, being charged a a bag. And I just don't know how people do it. But they do it. And they're resourceful. So don't kid yourself when I say that addict will leave the house with things or without things. You're going to change the locks. Yep, you are going to change the locks. And then what's going to happen is that person is going to go to whoever they've been smoking with, drinking with, partying with, buying drugs from, and they're going to stay there. So 
very rarely are they just going to be like street people yet. They're not up to that place yet. But right now, you need to focus on them out. And it's going to be hard to not know where your kid is, where they're staying, sleeping on a couch. Um, you know, they don't have anything. How are they going to eat? Okay, so now they're out of the house. If you could get to this place. Because I have seen so many people not be able to do it. And they think the only way to do it is to get them into rehab, which is what I thought. Oh, okay, so I'm going to get them. I just have them to admit that they have a problem. I have to get them into rehab. So I have to, with no experience, no experience, I have to convince this kid, my son, that who's been belligerent, has scared me, has made me, has come in my face, has yelled in my face, had made me feel like he's going to steal from me, harm me, um, that I could have a conversation with this person and convince him to go to a rehab. Was not happening. I look back, there is no way, but I wasn't strong enough to just kick him out. So it was a little gradual, which is going to happen. And that's okay. Because as long as you took that first step, which is get yourself someone to speak to. It doesn't matter who it is, but you need a therapist. You need someone to listen to you. Because, you know, your friends, your family members, see, everyone seems to blame it back on the on the kid, on the person that's the addict. And they're like, oh, they're terrible, and, and look how they're doing to you, and look how they're acting, and why are they acting this way? It's an illness. I learned that. I mean, I didn't understand why he was harming me either, but he was really harming himself. We're just taking it personally because we keep doing and they keep taking because they're going to take for as long as you keep giving. So let's go through this. You can't get your kid into rehab because they don't have a problem and they're belligerent. They're living in your house. You're too scared, don't feel comfortable yet or confident enough to kick them out and say, sorry, you don't want to live by my rules, you're out. Lock the door, change the key, change the locks, and let him do what he has to do. When you get to that point, which is not easy, but when you get there and you change those locks, that person will leave the house. They, like I said, they're very resourceful. They'll get a friend to pick them up. They'll lie. They'll tell them, oh, my mom's being psycho. She's driving me nuts. My, you know, my dad, uh, I'm going to go live with him, but I can't live with him yet. They will make up stories, anything, okay? And especially if you're not on the same page as your husband, your, your, your siblings, your ex, um, it's a disaster, Everybody has to be on the same page and realize there's a problem. It makes it much more difficult when you're on your own, okay? But still, in your household, one person at least has to go to therapy to get the, 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 to get the wheels going, to, to get it so that you could come back and give that information to that other person that's working with you on this. And, 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 and so you have tools and tips. You can't do this without tools. The tools are 
going to therapy and expressing and listening to yourself speak and say, I got a problem. Because you're going to have to hear that a hundred times. And your problem is not that it's really your problem, but that you've taken this on as if it's your problem. It's kind of like you have a child that's overweight and you want them to lose weight. So you don't buy any food in the house except for sugar-free items. What is the first thing they want? Sugar, they want sugar. They want anything with sugar. So they go to people's houses and they eat sugar and then you wonder why they're not losing weight because they don't want it badly enough. You can't want this more than the addict. That's what I've learned. I wanted it so badly, I, I kept saying, okay, I'm thinking logically. You can't think logically in these situations now. It's not logical. No two cases are alike. They all have similarities, but they're not alike. Also, how long has this kid in your home really been an addict? What got him to that, t- to that place? A couple of years in high school, two years, you know, gradually had a lot of depression. You saw change in uh, behaviors. You've got to assess that with a therapist so they could give you an idea of where this person is in their addiction. Or is mental illness coming out, which I will talk about on a whole other podcast. I'm not bringing the mental illness piece into here, and I'm not going to talk about it right now and explain to you what that is. I, it has a part in addiction. The two almost come together at this point. Drugs today are a hundred times stronger than it was when I smoked pot years ago. So I am telling you, it's laced with things. They're buying street drugs. These kids will, will take anything, don't care what you say. Even if you say it's not safe, they will do it just for the fun of it, just to get high, just to think they're cool. So we're back at, let's say you lock the door, you change the locks and your kid left. They and and it's gonna kill you. It's gonna tear you apart. It's gonna tear you apart and feel so bad and feel like, oh my God, that kid has nowhere to go. And now I, I, I pulled him out of the house. You see how this becomes so much more than just the addict's problem and what the addict actually does to the family, to every single person in the family. I haven't even discussed the siblings yet because that's also a whole other podcast that needs its own discussion. Right now, I'm just focused on really you getting them out of the house, not living with them because that is not a solution. And that is disaster and you will sit years and years and years in that house if you haven't already because there's a guy that came to our house to do some work and he tells me what's the first thing my husband he's talking to my husband that he had lost his wife and then he says you know I have a da- addict a daughter that's been an addict she's been a problem for so many so many years and um you know my wife passed away I let her move back into the home. She said things were better. She was acting better. And then things got worse again. And I kept getting her into therapy and getting her into rehab and then paying for her to get out, to get into a 
a halfway house and spending money on setting her up again in an apartment and, and trying to figure out things so I would give her money for a while and not make her have to go get a job because she was she felt she wasn't capable of getting a job. And then I kicked her out again of the house and then she came back into the house. I let her back in because she had nowhere to go. And well, if you listen to what I just said, you know, any any person on the outside, and when you're going through it, I don't care if you're a therapist and you're going through it, you can't handle this on your own. You can't even think that way because you're in a whole other survival mode. So basically from the outside, listening to this, you could think clearly and say, wow, this does not sound right. And this is not good. So um, basically you get the kid out of the house. Let's just say you finally got him out. I don't care if it's 10 years, 20 years later, 30 years later, I've heard them all. Finally, you got them out and you kicked them out. You might have felt like you had to move out of your home, really, literally, to just, um, in order to get that confidence. I know someone that had done that. These people were dealing with this kid for probably eight years. In denial, understanding the seriousness of it, even Baker acting them at one time, which is another discussion, calling the police on them, still let them live with the grandparents, stole all the medications, still let them go back and live again with the grandparents instead of their own home. What are you doing? Just putting it on to someone else, okay? Just putting it on to someone else. And um, especially an older person, it's they have no clue. They, they, you know, um, you're talking about people that, you know, didn't experience, um, the, the severity, the amount of addictions today compared to many, many years ago. And the way people dealt with it is just very, very different. Um, I don't care if you're rich or poor. I don't care who you are. You are no different than anybody else in this situation and you know what? No money in the world is going to help you throw your kid out. No money in the world is going to help save your kid. Nobody. But your own kid. And it's amazing how it takes years to get to that place. And I know it's like, that's why like when you go to therapy, you feel you're like, okay, if I do this, I'm going to get that result. But the problem is, is that you'll never get that result because it's a lifetime of results. Some better than others, depending on the time of the life, where you're at in your life, where you, the addict is at in their life. And it's, it's always gonna be there. So from the beginning, the, the understanding of getting your kid out is a huge, huge undertaking. And it's scary and it's sad and it's lonely. And how do you talk to people about this? And how do you go on with your life? Oh, you go to work tomorrow. Oh, you go out with your friends for dinner. Oh, let's double date. Okay, well, we'll go out Saturday night. And what do people talk about? Their kids. They talk about their kids, what they're doing, what college. They're not going to college. Their disappointments, their happiness. Um, most people, that's what we talk about as you get older. You know, there's not, you know, that much in common unless you play tennis together or you play pickleball together or you play cards or you play mahjong or, but still all the conversations come up 
Oh, your child just got engaged. Oh, your child is graduating. Oh, that's amazing. They just got into grad school. Oh, your kid is... Oh, does anybody ever say, yeah, my kid is home. They sleep till about four o'clock every day. They finally come out of their room. They go into the kitchen, get food, and go right back into their room again. Um, then they seem to wake up like bats at like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And you hear them scuffling around or maybe even hear them leave the house and then come back at 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, okay, who's telling that to their friends? Who? Who? I'm not. Because first of all, at that point, I was too scared to... To I wasn't mature enough to handle the situation. I wasn't, and I had no clue what any of this meant. None. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I never have been an addictive. I never have had addictive personality. I never felt like it wasn't enough. I felt like my son. I gave him a hot dog. He wanted ten. I gave him fries. It was just nothing felt satisfied to him. Food. Um, things we were doing, activities, um, whatever it was, it was never enough. Um, and you know, it's funny because as you get older, you could sense energy because energy in people around them, you get a sense of, um, you know, if they're uptight, if they're happy, if they're sad, um, you know, let's face it, you could be the nicest person in the world. No one could know what's going on in your home that you're basically hiding your child and allowing them to hide out in your home. When all their friends are out of the house, they are in college or they have jobs or they went into their parents' business or they're um, working in, in, in an industry where they had to do an internship. Um, all these accomplishments that are going on around you and you might even have other kids that are experiencing all these things that I just said. But no matter what, you have this one kid. So it always comes back to that. And people will always ask, oh, how are the boys? How this? What's going on? And you try not to say too much. Um, and you kind of let leave it at it, it where it's at. Um, again... Let's just take it as if you were able to get them out of your house and you were strong enough. Because you could hire an interventionist, which is what I did look into the second this happened. How am I going to get them out of the house? I, I spoke to someone and the guy they charged, and that was many years ago, what, 12 years ago or so, uh, they charged um, then $10,000 right there, full shot. They come, and what is an intervention? An intervention is people getting in front of the addict, approaching the addict together as one. So everybody has to believe that this person has a problem and needs help. And then when they get there, and they're all sitting there talking, trying to convince this addict that's sitting in front of you that doesn't believe they're an addict and thinks you're crazy, not them. And... That's going to take a weekend? That's going to take a day? No way. It's going to take a weekend? Probably not. And if it does, and you break that person down for some reason, let's just say they cave in, how long do you think that's going to last? There are small windows of opportunities that you have. Very small. I will go into that later. 
what you need to prepare for those small windows of opportunities in their life. It's a lifetime, but those small opportunities I have experienced and seen them come up. Um, if they're handled properly, then you could potentially get to this attic to a better place. But if not, then uh, once again, it's just the full cycle of them being able to manipulate you, manipulate anything around them. So you got this kid out of the house. Let's just leave it at that. At this point, you were able to lock your doors and get them out. You were strong enough to know you didn't care where they were going. It was too disruptive to the family already. It was just out of control. Fine. So it typically takes 30 days. You won't hear from this kid. You'll be in your mind. You'll be so sad. You know, I, I always was a workout person. I like to work out. Um, it it, it kind of like makes you um, just kind of get your aggravation out, your sadness. It does that for me, not to everyone. Don't start eating and think that's going to solve anything, okay? So the last thing you need to do is get unhealthy, okay? So be exactly who you are and true to yourself. And you know what I had to do? I was like, who am I? I lost myself in this. Like, I had kids. I raised them. I put 150% in. And I got smacked in the face. And it's like, I didn't, I didn't know where to go from there. I didn't even know who I was anymore. Because I was so into this whole... Um, up and down and this this um, way of life with the addict that I couldn't even see myself anymore. I didn't even think I meant anything, um, which is really, really sad because I spent way too many years not taking care of myself. And I'm sad about that. I'm sad that I didn't um, look at relationships better back then. Um, that I didn't try to um, build another family unit um, after my ex and I split uh, when the kids were younger. This is not because of divorce, so take that out of your mind. This is not because you were yelling at each other in the house. Take that out of your mind, okay? This is nothing anybody has done. You can't do this to somebody. They do this to themselves. We make choices. Do you want to go left or do you want to go right? There might be a parking spot left, but there might be a parking spot right. You just don't know, right? So we take chances, okay? We take paths in our lives. Do you want to go with the kids that are fun and hyper and mischievous and have a personality that's like making everyone laugh and feeling good um, and Okay, not so serious about their schoolwork, but serious, but not so. Or would you rather your kid be with kids that are stable, that have their maturity intact in at a younger age and know more about what they want to do, how they want to act, what's important to them. And then at that point, when they know what's important to them, they will be able to help themselves and when they help themselves 
they really will be able to start their journey on getting better, whatever that's going to look like, however unstable that's going to be. But that's why intervention just makes the family feel more comfortable knowing where the person is, hoping and praying that what they're doing, what they want so badly, this person, this addict will go along with it and they'll get better. But um, I, I've learned and I've seen that it solves the problem for about 30 days. And if you're lucky, 60 days or 90 days, depending on how long they do stay in that rehab. Um, so I'm not quite sure if that's really the right path to take. Um, I don't know if there's a right and a wrong because it's about the the impact it has on the people around the addict, what their needs are, because you need to get the kid out of the house. How are you going to do that? You got to get someone to help you. You can't do it alone. And you try to get them out and you give them ultimatums, but then you cave in a lot. Or it's, I'm going to hire someone that's going to help me um, come to the house, talk to my kid, and try to get them to go to rehab. This is before the, the age of 18. Um, so that's, and you could put someone in rehab before their age of 18. They don't have to sign. But once they're 18, they could check themselves out and they are done. I think the key is to get them out of the house as quickly as possible. And they are not to come back. They have to get better. Now, in my scenario, I was in La La Land I actually thought, oh, okay, I, I missed my son so much and I wanted him so badly with me. So what did I do? I brought him right back in, took him up to college, set him up as if he's for all good again, which he wasn't. And I knew it. But it's like you put them somewhere and you think, okay, it's not your problem, but it is, but it's not in front of you. And at least I got him out of the house and, you know, he'll find his way and he'll get better. But when you think about it, stop putting what you want for this person into play. I wanted that for him. I wanted him to go to college. He was a genius. He still is a genius. I, it was like a shame. You have this super smart person and they don't want to use their gift that they were given uh, to make their life a little better. But that's not to mean it's important to them. It was important to me. I wanted to see them successful, whatever that means. But at that time, it, it wasn't about what he wanted. It was about what I felt was the best thing for him. Okay, so I set him up, even though he was still not there. And by Christmas time, okay, by Christmas, no, by Thanksgiving, it was Thanksgiving, um, he was already going to save the world. He was hallucinating. He was, I don't know what it was, um, but I knew he needed tremendous help and I was freaking out. I said, uh, my father was with us for Thanksgiving that year. Uh, he looked at me and said, this kid is off his rocker. Um, and so basically, 
Um, he left. I told him he needs to get out of the house. He needs to get help. He refused. No, I'm not doing that. I said, well, then you got to leave. Again, I let him take stuff with him. That was not cool. I should have just let him go. He went up to his apartment in Florida in um, school where he was going. And uh, basically, he, I, I had to find someone to replace him. I'm spending over $1,000 a month just on the apartment, his room, and, and what about everything else? So I had to go up there, um, clean out all his stuff. Uh, he moved out. He moved into with this drug dealer. And basically, it took me about a month and a half from then, month and a half, to find a rehab, to figure out what the next step was. When he started selling his things, giving away his cat, you know, always bringing in an animal as if he could take care of himself. And then think about the up and down with that, like how sad it is when you lose something you love and to, and to anybody, it doesn't matter if they're an addict or not. And then here's someone who's taking in a, a, a straggler from the street, uh, an animal, and then has to give it away to someone, anyone, because they can't even cope with themselves. So basically that happened quite a bit uh, through the years, but um at this particular time, we did get extremely nervous when he started uh, selling his items, selling his belongings, living on a couch with literally a garbage bag next to him. Yes, a garbage bag. So um, at that point, I, you know, I, I called up a lot of rehabs, a lot of different places, and some would say to me, um, yeah, um, $25,000. And you could, and then it's another $25,000 at the end of the 30 months, 30 days. I'm like, what? Like, I didn't even know what to say. Um, so the first time I paid out of pocket with rehab, he went to a place that I had found online that was a lot less expensive. I cannot remember the exact amount, so I don't want to say. Um, it was a newer rehab. Um, and basically he was over the age of 18, so he wasn't going himself. So what did I do? Because my other son was telling me that this kid is sleeping on a couch in someone else's apartment, the four roommates, and one of the roommates is a drug dealer and the others aren't, but, um, they want him out. So I, during this time, um, my son would, my other son would be calling me and saying, look, He's, you know, my friend that's a roommate in there, you know, he's freaking out. Um, you know, my brother won't leave the couch and this is just horrible. And he's doing drugs all day and he's sleeping too late and he's up all night and this is really bad. Okay. So I was, time was ticking and um, within a week I got from the rehab center two people that work there that came and helped me um, get my son out of that apartment. Now, there were two things that would have happened there because they're not allowed to enter the apartment. The apartment was left unlocked for me, knowing that I was coming. The roommates all knew I was coming, except the drug dealer roommate. The other two knew, the other three knew, the drug dealer that was the first room on the right-hand side did not know. So at that point, I drove up to school. I, um, the interventionists met me there. They stayed outside. 
and I needed to get him to go with them to a rehab anywhere because at this point he has to sign himself in once he gets there so he gets I get into the apartment I immediately go to the first door because I knew I had to sedate the guy in there and let him know that he is not to move or I'm calling the police that was the first thing I had to do because last thing I needed was for him to come out and start who knows violence or maybe he was um, would be protecting my son or or convincing my son this guy woman's a lunatic who knows what was going to be said but so I ran in that room I shut the door and what was this guy doing what it's now 9 a.m in the morning okay he was on his bed snorting coke and looked at me like I was uh like he just died and saw God or something like I don't know what he did but he his eyes bugged out and he was like holy shit everything went flying I said stop don't move don't move or I'm calling the police he didn't move I said here's what you're doing I'm coming to save my son if you stop me in any way or try to get him to stay in any way or leave this room I will have everyone arrested right now I don't care let my son go to jail at that very moment I was shaking and realized how severe this was and what I was doing um did I think that this would be the last time I'd ever have to do something like this absolutely was it no but I let that happen so when I got out of that room and walked into the den area where my son was laying on a couch with a garbage bag next to him I was calling his name trying to wake him up he looks at me he's stunned and he goes you couldn't call no I couldn't call no because you weren't picking up your phone well the reason why I tell you this story and where it's going to go from here is um, basically just to give you an idea of I never realized that this wouldn't be the first time that I'd have to do this and as you could see he was not he was not in that frame of mind of getting help and I was completely pushing him into this which is not the way to go because it just doesn't help the addict but at that time I did it and sure enough they got him out of the apartment and they got him into a rehab and he signed in and after 30 days it didn't help he lied he manipulated he went right back to what he was doing and it actually um was just a deterrent and it just gave me a good feeling of I know where he is and what he's doing rather than really getting help so it was good for me but it wasn't really the best for my child I tell you this because you are it's typically 30 days from the time they leave or get kicked out from wherever they are some might take longer I'm no expert I'm just telling you from experience from people that I know that have experienced it it's 30 days so your job is to do the following get to the point where you could get them out of the home hand them a piece of paper and say here's a number you can get help 
Now, how do you get that number? Who's going to help him? Well, what happens with that number is you've already given thought to where exactly the rehab is going to be and who can help him. And how you do that is you call around to rehabs. You give your insurance card. You see at this point, you don't even need just the insurance card. You see if he's qualified for um, Medicare, Medicaid. Oh yeah, depending on his age and if he's capable of working or not, if he has mental issues or not. Um, and basically there are programs for this. So every state is different. Um, and when you are looking for a rehab, it's not about, oh, do they have a pool? Oh, is he going to get the right food? Ooh, what kind of food do they feed him? What do you care? Don't focus on those things. Focus on where the rehab's going to be and where he would go after the rehab. Because he's not coming back to your house again. That's done. That's done, unfortunately. I know, it's hard to believe that. But yes, at this point, I'm telling you, it's done. So once you get him out of the house, you need to find him and figure out where he's going to stay. Now, usually it's a halfway house. Those are the best because there are other people in his situation and there are people that um, kind of monitor what's going on and they do drug testing. So it is a good start. And I would say that's where your head should be at this point is get, finding the information on the rehabs either in, close by, if you want one that's uh, hour away, two hours away. If you find one in a different state, look and do some research on that. Um, I did the research and I wanted to stay in the state of Florida because that's where I was. And I drove four hours to where the, the rehab basically that place was. So it's not like you're going to visit him. This isn't camp. I know, I wish I could tell you it is, um, which I obviously at the beginning had no clue what rehab was and how it worked. But no, there is no visitation. And they're not gonna call you and fill you in on what's going on and how's it doing. No, you're, you're done now. You have to go on with your own life. This is where your life starts again. Before I end this podcast, um, I want to say there's a reason why it went so long. I could go on and on and on. I could lecture you all I want. But the bottom line is, is that it's got to be you. No one could convince you to do this. And it's the hardest thing you're ever going to have to do in your life. And probably the most traumatic because this is something you've never thought you'd have to do in your life. And how are you going to do this? And how are you going to get through it? And that's why this disease is a family disease. It's not just the addicts.